We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here. I am here. The show today is brought to you by MyBookie. They're offering a great deal right now. Your initial deposit will be doubled dollar for dollar all the way up to $1,000 if you use my promo code KevinDC. Go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC, and your initial deposit gets doubled all the way up to 1000 bucks. Very few shops are offering this kind of promotion right now. Uh, my bookie's got fair lines, uh, fair uh, pricing, uh, and they've got lots of contests too that are easy to enter and low cost, and they can produce big wins. Go to mybookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC on your first deposit to secure a double deposit bonus. Uh, but you've got to use Kevin DC as the promo code. Uh, if you missed Cooley yesterday, he finally got around uh, to his film breakdown, and it was pretty interesting as it relates to not only the offense, um, but uh, there was a player defensively that he fell in love with last week. Uh, listen to that show yesterday. That will be up um, throughout. This is a Friday and a football Friday, but Cooley will be on with me tomorrow morning uh, to kind of preview the Dallas game, but we're going to do the same with Tommy today. And we've got some things to talk about, but before we get to like the big sports story, which is the Tua Bailoa injury from last night, um, you played high school sports, right? What 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 sports did you play in high school? I wrestled, and uh, I only wrestled for a year. Uh, and I was uh, I I was on the track team. What? Because you shot shot discus. put. You shot. You, you did shot, shot put. Discus. Did. I was real. I was I was actually had some natural ability throwing the discus. I don't know where it came from. A shot put. I was just. I was barely okay. So the discus the is the thing. I, I wasn't bad. The discus is the thing where you kind of wind up, wind up, wind up, and you just and you throw it right. You spin. You spin. You yeah. spin in a circle. Right. And you throw this disc, this rubber or this metal disc. And you were good at it. Yeah, I don't know how or why that happened. Um, good is relative, okay? <laughs> you know, I mean, I wasn't bad at it. So, therefore, I was good at it. So, would that take place on your high school field track? Like yes. the, the football field in the track area for track events? Or would you, were most of those, were, were the track meets held in, like, you know, neutral locations or other schools? 
other schools. We would travel to other schools when we, you know, away, and then we'd have home meets. Okay. And let's just tell you how old I am, not that I need to remind every, anybody, but my first year in track, the track was cinder. And the high jump pit and the pole vault pit were sawdust. Oh, my God. Yes. Wow. That, I know. That's that, that, that. I mean, let's just put it this way: they weren't concerned about concussions in the, in those days. No, um, they weren't. You know, so you know this. I played high school basketball, uh, and I, I I grew up in Montgomery County. Went to uh, the Walt Whitman High School in Bethesda, um, which was. An excellent high school, Tommy. Really good high school it was. I mean, I'd like to make it out that I grew up on the mean streets of some tough area. But growing up in, in Bethesda, the public schools, you know, look, the public schools in Montgomery County and Fairfax County are among the best public schools in America. Same with Loudoun County. We have such a great education school, but uh, education system in this area. But Whitman was one of the top public high schools, not only in the area, but in the country. It really was. In fact, I will tell you this. I don't know if I've ever told you this before, but it was before I got to high school, but Whitman was featured on the cover of Time Magazine, um, and it was called Super School. It was a really, really well thought of high school, and there are lots of them. And I don't even know where Whitman ranks now, um, in the area, because I know, you know, Churchill and BCC, and there are lots of really tremendous magnets, magnet schools like Richard Montgomery and Blair. And I don't know the schools in Fairfax County. I know Langley is kind of the equivalent of, 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 of Whitman. I know that's where Doc, you know, sent his kids um, and coached a little bit uh, in high school, and I think that's in McLean. But one of the distinctions that Whitman had um, was that we had a dome for basketball that sat 3,500 people. And even if you didn't know Whitman in the area for being kind of this very good academic high school, if you participated in sports, you knew it because it had this dome, like this college-like dome sitting right in the parking lot, the back parking lot, right below um, the football field. Uh, and we were kind of known for being a really good academic high school, but for the dome. They took the dome down in 1992, but they are doing a dome dedication ceremony tonight at the Whitman football game tonight uh, in Bethesda. And I wanted to let everybody know, especially the people in Montgomery County, especially you Whitmanites, and I hear from a lot of you all the time, that the dome dedication uh, is tonight. It starts at 4 p.m. Uh, the Vikings, uh, a band that I know very well, um, they're going to perform from 5 to 6. The football game follows, and there will be a dedication with a plaque to where the dome used to sit. Now they have a regular-looking high school basketball gym. But when I was in high school there, we had the Whitman Dome. It sat 3,500, Tommy. Not that we ever filled it up. We didn't even come close. I think there was one game my senior year. We were playing Blair, and they were ranked 10th in the city. And we had a really big crowd on a Friday night, and we won the game. 
um, which was uh, a big upset. But um, it was kind of a cool place. I mean, that was the that that was the place where you know a lot of your physical education classes were. You know, basketball, volleyball, everything you would do indoors. They had a big concourse level, which was great to run around. Um, and it was cool playing basketball in the place, even though it was sort of cavernous. And when it wasn't, you know, when there weren't many people there and there weren't always a lot of people there, especially like on a weeknight, you know how high school sports, if it's a Friday night game or a Saturday afternoon game, everybody goes. If it's a Tuesday night basketball game at home and your team's not very good, it's not like a lot of people are saying, I'm ditching, you know, something else to go. Um, But uh, it was it was kind of it was a weird thing, but it was our thing, and it was something that you know everybody that grew up in Montgomery County kind of and went to high school from anywhere. I guess the '60s when the, the school was built, or maybe the school was built in the late '50s through 1992 before they tore it down and they redid the school. Everybody remembers that. If you're of a certain age in Montgomery County, you remember Whitman's Dome, and they're doing a dedication tonight. So I just wanted to let everybody know about that. Well, I, I got a few questions. Okay. First of all, let me explain that East Stroudsburg was not a particularly good school. It was a fun school, <laughs> but as far as academics, yeah. it wasn't particularly good. I remember one teacher I had, a math teacher I had, if you had him early in the morning, he would fall asleep with his face to the book <laughs> on the hangover yeah. the night before. Well, I, look, so, I think every school so, has a couple of those, yeah. Well, we had, we had more than our share on the faculty, but it was a lot of fun. And we had a regular gym. Uh, I'd say it's at about 900 when it was filled up. And we had a really good basketball team uh, my junior and senior year. Uh, So it was usually filled up. Uh, So uh, my other question is, though, about the new dome is, I'm assuming that you've been invited to participate in the ceremonies, right? Uh, Well, it, it's first of all, there's no new dome. There's just a r- regular uh, basketball gym now. They've tore the dome down in 1992, okay. so they're doing this plaque, I guess, that they're going to put, um, okay. uh, you know, on the spot where the dome existed. Yes, the, the guy that invited, the, the, right? the, the guy that w- is involved in putting some of this together did invite me to come. Um, I'm not going. I'm not going because it's my son's birthday. <laughs> it's my son. Oh, okay. It's my son's birthday, and this is my son who lives in Los Angeles, and he is coming back for the weekend. He was actually heading to New York, but we are going to do, you know, kind of a family birthday dinner, and that had been planned for a while. So, no, I'm not going to go. Uh, okay. But, but I have I have so many memories, as so many people do. You know, even if you didn't play basketball or volleyball or any of the sports that you would play in a gym, you have memories of that, you know, from just walking around or, you know, g- going to PE class, you know, in that gym. And there were um, there were actually classes, I think, in, in that gym. I mean, there was, um, uh, oh, my God, the uh, I think there was a math class that I may have taken in the uh, basement of that dome but anyway uh and you know it was just very spacious and very odd and people you know who uh, came to, to to Whitman to play us in anything it was always kind of a deal for them it's like we were going to that dome thing because nobody had a dome you know I mean it sat more people than McDonough did at 3,500 <laughs> wasn't McDonough like 3,000 I think it was I don't know um, I don't know 
But anyway, yeah, what else did you have? Did you have any other follow-up questions? Yeah, I do have another follow-up question. Okay. You know, I've been real curious about this band because I haven't seen them, but I see them advertised all the time. You know the Vikings? Oh, yeah, I know I know Matt and all the, I know a lot of the guys. Matt Morey is, you know, um, guitarist, and he's pretty much the the guy that started this thing and has kept it going. Yeah, I, I, I mean, they're, they're great. They're really good. They, oh, you know why you know them? Because they probably played at the Cinnamon Draft House, right? They probably did. Yeah. Well, I know that was Bethesda Blues and Jazz. I don't think they ever did. Okay. Um, I don't think they, they ever did. But I, I see them. Look, I mean, I follow the music uh, community. I see them advertised yeah. all the time. I just haven't gotten the chance to see them in person yet. So I think I, I, I need, since you know them, I need to make a point to go see them. Well, I, I will tell you that some of the guys, and certainly Matt, is a big listener of this podcast. He's a big fan of yours. He loves Tommy. Matt and I, remember I told you about this basketball game that, that I was involved in for years um, with, you know, uh, where, where we would play on, on Monday nights, Wednesday nights, but on when, the Wednesday night game in particular, we would play and then we would all go to Lido's, drink beer, eat pizza, and it was really yeah. fun. And it got pretty much shut down with the beginning of the pandemic. Now it is restarted, but a lot of us have not, are not doing it. Um, it's, it's probably a much younger group now, but Matt was the guy that put all of that together. He's, you know, he's a, he's a real estate agent in, in Bethesda, r- great guy. And, um, and they do, you know, they do a, a, a lot of covers. Like I'm, I'm looking at right now. I mean, y- you're, you're going to love all the stuff they do. They're excellent. Well, I'm going to make a point to go see them. Uh, I'm going to see King Soul on October 8th. My, my, you know, one of my favorite bands for the 80th at the time. Palisades. At the Palisades Hub. Okay. Uh, I've never been there before. It's, it's relatively new, I think. Yeah, it, uh, it, the, the Hubcap it, in Palisades, it's, it's called. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm, by the I'm way, that's, that's near where I live. It's kind of, it's, it's not okay. two minutes. So if you're there, in fact, I just pulled up their website. They're playing there on November 19th. Of course, that's my wife's birthday. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so help me God. Um, but, uh, let's figure out a time and we'll go together and I'll, and I'll call Matt and find out what, what the best show we, we, we we should go to because they're, that would be great. Yeah. All right. We'll do that. We'll do that. Okay. Um, okay. What else? (laughs) Let's get to, let's get to this tour thing. Let's get to the business. Yeah. So did you, did you watch the game last night? Yes, I did. I had to teach last night but after i was teaching uh i, I watched the game yes it, i went to a an establishment and watched the game that had amazon prime yes okay good did they have any issues with the amazon prime delivery no no why well there? There, there have been lots of issues with it i haven't had any issues although i did have my first issue last night it seemed to get like caught up and was doing the thing where it kind of is thinking, and I missed a play or two. Now, I was talking to John Orand, uh, who does such a great job with Sports Business Journal. I had him on the radio show the other day, and I said, have people had issues? And he said, yeah, people have had a, had a, ton, of, a ton of issues. He said he actually, in the game last week and watching it, had almost a pre-high-definition era experience. Um, wow. And, uh, but I think it's Wi-Fi related. 
I think really that's what it comes down to is how good is your Wi-Fi. I mean, it's a streaming network. So, yes, it is a streaming network. Uh, and for the most part, I think, uh, at least publicly, the reviews have been pretty good. Yes. And now, they took, a, they, they, they took a hit last night for their content uh, and their reaction to uh, what happened on the field. Yeah. That, uh, you know, but uh, I mean, as far as the quality, from what I've, I have not had any bad experiences for the first two weeks. All right. So Tua gets injured. Um, for those of you that don't really know what the hullabaloo is about, uh, I'll take you through it chronologically. Sunday in Miami's game against Buffalo, which was a phenomenal football game. And I don't think I mentioned this on the pod yesterday. But it was on NFL Network the other night, and I just turned it on for the fourth quarter. One hell of a football game. Played, by the way, um, last Sunday with 103 heat index. I mean, guys were dropping like flies, cramping um, in that game. And it was just an incredible game. At the end of the game, by the way, there's this shot. I don't know if anybody has seen it. Josh Allen, who threw 63 passes in the game, And I've already talked about how Buffalo ran 90 plays and Miami ran 39. They ran 51 more offensive snaps in the game. At one point in the second half, they ran 53 offensive plays and only scored three points, which is amazing. But at the end of the game, Josh Allen was so exhausted when he went to shake hands with Tua, uh, you know, ironically, he put his head on Tua's shoulder. As Tua kind I saw of, that. He, kind, he was kind of holding Josh Allen up. Um, he was physically exhausted. It makes me wonder, by the way, about um, Buffalo's game at Baltimore, which will be played in rainy conditions and very cool conditions. Uh, here, we're going to get all the remnants from the uh, hurricane. Um, but anyway, Tua in the uh, in that game in the first half. Uh, was pushed after he made a pass down to the ground, banged it the back of his head onto the ground, got up, looked like a boxer who had been hit uh, and, you know, had rubber legs and, and, and exhibited all of the signs that we've all seen as sports fans of a guy who had his bell rung. Um, he went back in. Uh, they had the team doctor and the independent neurosurgeon who is at every single NFL game to look at concussion-related symptoms, and they cleared him, saying it was a back injury, and he came back into the game and he played the second half. Now we fast forward four days later to these Thursday night games that have been a health and safety issue for the league all along, and he takes a big shot. I mean, he's ta- he's picked up and he's driven into the ground, and 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 you know, there's a a blow to the head. And he appears to be completely out. And he's on his back, and his hands and his fingers are in this prone position that made it look very scary and harrowing. Very scary. Taken off by stretcher, um, taken to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, where he was cleared and discharged, uh, saying that he had uh, head and neck injuries. He's back in Florida right now, apparently in good spirits after being flown home, and they are planning an MRI. He had a neck brace on for precaution, and he's going to have an MRI today. So uh, last night after the injury, considering that everybody kind of, you know, most football fans and certainly most football broadcasters knew what had happened on Sunday, um, took to the airwaves and certainly to social media and Twitter and played doctor 
all uh, night last night and all day today. And pretty much the consensus is that everybody should be sued and fired, uh, that Mike McDaniel and everybody associated with the Dolphins should lose their jobs today. Um, Stephen A. apparently came on the air today just to start screaming, somebody got to get fired. Um, and so everybody's been screaming and yelling about this. In the meantime, um, once again, uh, no one has said Sunday's injury was a concussion, and no one has said that even last night's injury at this point was a concussion, being called head and neck injuries. The Dolphins maintaining, um, even today, that Sunday's injury was not a concussion, that it was a back and or back and neck injury from Sunday, and he was cleared. Now, there are a couple of pieces to this, and I'll let you weigh in first. Um, The NFLPA uh, wanted to investigate what happened on Sunday, and they were planning an investigation that had not even begun before last night's game. They wanted to make sure that everything Sunday in Miami was handled appropriately, and the right thing was done for their member, uh, Tua Tungavailoa. Um, But that investigation had not begun at all. Um, But the independent neurosurgeon and the Miami doctors cleared him to play in the game. He was listed as questionable all week. He played last night. He actually looked pretty good in the first half. He throws with a lot of touch. There's no doubt about that. They lost the game, if you're wondering, 27 to 15. And let me just make this one football comment, sort of football comment, before we get to the Tua thing. Cincinnati did this whiteout, which you see in college all the time, you know, gold out, red out, black out, white outs, where everybody's wearing the same color and they had these white uniforms on. It was badass looking. It was so collegiate looking. I don't know if you can pull that off in like a big market. Um, you see it in the NBA in like Oklahoma City and in Portland and places like that. You don't really see it in L.A. or New York or Washington or Chicago, but good God, what a you – know, what a f- I, I, Yeah, I, go ahead. I don't like it. I don't like it because it, it means you're almost compelled to wear a uniform to the game. Well, I think what they do yeah. is they've got those and, T-shirts and for seen, you to put on, yeah. I know that, but I've seen at Wizards games, when I used to go to Wizards games – The attempt. When they've tried to do this. Yeah. And And – the guy, the guy, like a person, won't put the shirt on, and the camera and the in-house camera will focus on them. And they get booed. And wait for the fans <laughs> to start booing and embarrassing him yeah. until he puts the uniform on. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you are an independent contractor, so you're not required to wear a uniform. Um, the, I, no, I, 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 I've, I've seen it attempted at, at at Wizards games before, and it just doesn't work out. It's not a one-off. Most of the people don't follow the the directions. I've seen now the Caps games. You know, everybody's pretty much wearing a Caps jersey anyway. You know, rock the red, the whole thing. Yeah, but you don't have to <clears throat> tell them to do that. True. They, and they That's just true. show up like that. But last yeah. night. I mean, this is Cincinnati, Tommy. Remember, this was one of the real horrible franchises in the league not that long ago with a fan base that was really lukewarm. They went to the Super Bowl last year. They've got Joe Burrow, and they had a whiteout, and it worked last night. And I, I actually thought their uniforms looked pretty cool. Um, and I'm not really I a, thought a the uniform uniforms guy. were cool. Yeah. I like the uniforms 
too, and I'm not a uniform guy either. All right. But I've always liked the Bengals uh, look. Yeah. All right. So, so. Tua. Well, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my trust uh, at this early stage in reaction from NFL players and former players who posted on social media, and it was universal that he should have never been in the game in the first place. Now you're you're right. He, he, according to the the Dolphins, he passed all the protocol, and the re- protocol, from what I've read, is pretty strict, you know, and it's pretty careful. But uh, your your eyes, based on what you saw on on the Sunday game, and him, you know, getting up and like you said, uh, walking like he was drunk, would indicate to you that something, some kind of head injury had to have happened. That was semi-serious. So it's possible that there, there may be a flaw in the protocol that, that, that they have to figure out. But, uh, I mean, I don't think the Dolphins put him out there, you know, and with the knowledge that he was damaged. But he may have been damaged, and their protection system didn't work. Certainly is possible. Um. It's also possible that he didn't have a concussion on Sunday against Buffalo, regardless of what we saw, you know, sort of looking punch drunk and wobbly. You know, I, I, I read something very early this morning, and then before you and I started recording, I talked to um, someone who deals with head, neck, back, spine, a doctor, an actual doctor who does this. And, the, you know, what I read this morning, let me just tell you, because this is why I ended up calling this person. I read that, you know, a, a neurosurgeon was saying, you absolutely, with a neck injury or a cervical spine irritation or inflammation injury um, where there's nerve involved, you absolutely can look the way that Tua looked on Sunday, that that can cause that wobbly kind of response. And I was surprised by that because when I watched it last night, I'm like, well, God damn. I mean, the guy looked like he was concussed on Sunday, but they cleared him. They put him back out there. And with, you know, in this day and age, I mean, with as much, and I understand that, you know, there's, you can, you can mess up, but you've got an independent doctor, an independent neurosurgeon who has to clear him is he really going to clear the dude to go back into the game if he is concussed or if there's a fear of a, a brain injury or, or, or a, a, a concussion at that point? So I, I read this thing very early this morning, uh, you know, and it got, it, it, I got off Twitter immediately after reading all of the Twitter doctors. I mean, it was, it was quite amazing how many people have recently um, gotten their medical degree and have done so many uh, uh, brain um, uh, in, uh, surgeries. But I, I thought that was interesting because you know me, I've had a bunch of back, I've had multiple back surgeries. I know what nerve pain is. I don't think I've ever, you know, had nerve pain where I was wobbly, but I was, you know, it was interesting. So I called a doctor and he said, let me just tell you, first of all, the injury last night was not a concussion. That's a neck injury. And the MRI more likely than not will be the indicator today. The prone position that he was in with his hands and his fingers is a neck injury, not a concussion. 
Now, I'm not going to mention doctor's names or anything like that because he said it's possible he still had a concussion, but that reaction that everybody thought was a concussion reaction is not a reaction. It's a cervical spine, you know, in the, in the neck area irritation that causes that. And then I said, well, what about Sunday? He said, it's absolutely possible with a cervical spine injury, uh, you know, that it can cause upper balance issues, you know, and what the MRI is going to potentially show is whether or not he's got some narrowing of the cervical spine and whether or not there's some inflammation and maybe, you know, he shouldn't have played last night because of that, but it's very possible that he didn't have a concussion on Sunday. And he, he, like this, he said, look, last night's, the prone position that he was in that scared the shit out of everybody watching, including me, He's like, that's not a concussion reaction. More likely than not, that is a a cervical spine neck reaction. And, um, and, you know, you read today that he's back in good spirits with a neck brace and that they're going to do an MRI. And the Dolphins are adamant today that he did not have a concussion. Um, He was evaluated for a concussion. He was in the concussion protocol last night when he left the hospital, but he was discharged, and they're they're adamant that this was not the case on Sunday. I guess my overall thing is I'm just going to wait. I'm not going to ask for anybody to be fired. I understand that. I'm not going to ask for anybody to be fired. I'm not going to ask for okay. you know uh, for for like people to to to, to admit the, the wrongdoing of putting him out there last night. I mean, certainly, you know, if we're going to get to that point, anybody that looks, you know, anybody that's injured, we can keep. Look, this four day turnaround and the fact that the NFLPA hadn't started their their in, investigation to me is a bigger issue. Like, should they have it in the collective bargaining agreement that if the NFLPA decides to launch an investigation into how an injury was handled, that that, that player should be sidelined until the investigation is complete? That's fine. But that's not in the collective bargaining agreement right now. Well, here's the dirty part. Here's the dirty part for everybody, NFL and the NFLPA, okay? What should be in their collective bargaining agreement is we don't play football on Thursday nights, okay? That's what should be in their their bargaining agreement. But but the players like that money, too, okay? Let's, Let's remember, the players are partners in that NFL revenue. Yeah, hello. Uh, so... So, yeah, so they want that money, too. So they're not going to stand in the way of something like that. Richard Sherman, who embarrassed himself during the halftime uh, broadcast on Amazon Prime last night, wrote an article once for the Players' Tribune criticizing the Thursday night football that it shouldn't exist <laughs> in the first place. Oh, that's right. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, so and there it... he is taking a paycheck from him and, and like, sitting there, no. you know, with Roger Goodell's hand up his ass. Oh my God! For crying out loud! Oh, you're so funny. I can just see it. I mean, but, but, and here's the other thing. Yeah. The other thing. What you said. I think everybody's commentary was fair. You talk about football, and you're not a football coach. You don't have to be a doctor to raise legitimate commentary about what you witnessed. Yeah, I don't think that's exactly the right analogy because you're talking about somebody's health and we're talking about entertainment and games when we're criticizing coaching and criticizing things but you're, that we, you're talking that we, about that we don't level, know anything about. A level of, yeah, I, I understand. You're talking about a level but you're of talking, informed professionalism. Yeah, you're right. Um, but uh, that's fine. 
the funny thing is, is, you know, you may have written a column about somebody, something or somebody, but God damn it, if they paid you to sit on a set Thursday night as much as they're paying Richard Sherman, your ass would be sitting in that chair. Um, but you hit the nail on the head with respect to, you know, these Thursday night games. Amazon Prime is paying a billion dollars a year and the players are getting 49.7% of that or whatever the number is in the split. So it's not going away. Here's the one thing I would say. I I have no idea, no idea, nor do most of the people out there listening. What, you know, whether or not he should have played in the second half of the Buffalo game or whether or not he should have played last night, because none of you are doctors and none of us are football coaches either. But I'm going to continue, if you don't mind, um, criticizing and saying that I know something about football, even though I know nothing about concussions. Um, No, I I have no problem with that. Just like I say, I don't have a big problem with people. Uh, legitimately raising their concerns about a legitimate issue about a guy's health. Raising concerns in making diagnose, medical diagnoses are, are, is a little bit different. But anyway, what I will say that is this. It was a bad look for the league last night. Whether it's a deserved bad look or not, it was a bad look. However, it ain't going to do anything. The games are Sunday. There's, there's a quadruple header. There's a game Sunday from London. There's the 1 o'clock window, the 4 o'clock window, a Sunday nighter. And if, if, now, if Tua had been seriously injured from this injury last night and he was in a hospital and he was in intensive care and there was, you know, there was real concern about you know, his, his brain and, and, and his life and whatever else, obviously this would be a massive discussion. By the time we get to Sunday afternoon at about 2 o'clock, all anybody's interested in are the games. And I do think think there should be an investigation of this. They should investigate what happened Sunday. And by the way, I would imagine the MRI is going to reveal a lot. We're going to get some information on that later today or tomorrow. I don't know, know how long it'll take for those results to come out. Um, thank God he's okay for now. That's, you know, yes. because that was scary. Uh, but a billion dollars for Thursday night football, the games when they start, all anybody cares about is the team they're rooting for, the team they've bet on, or the team that makes up their fantasy uh, squad. Yeah. And you're right. the games just uh, you're right. And I don't know if there's anything. I don't know if there's anything that could stop it. It's I a, really don't. It is a, right. It's it, a it, freight it, train, it, it, the NFL. It really is. It, it, it's a freight train. And, you know, maybe uh, beyond our lifetime, there may be something to stop it. But right now, it just seems to gain more and more power uh, and more and more strength. I was listening so. to Dominic Foxworth on ESPN this morning. Terp, by the way. Um he was really, really good on this. Now, it's not that I agreed with everything uh, that he said, but he, he did conclude with, I would never give back, I'm paraphrasing, any of my football career. It has enabled me, it's taught me so much, the benefits far outweighed the risks. I'm able to provide for my family in a way that I would, nev- would have never been able to provide for, provide for my parents in a way that I would have never been able to provide for, and, you know, he, he essentially said, and, and I think um, someone else, I think it was Chris Canty kind of said, said the same thing. They just said, when things like this happen, 
it gives football a bad name and all of the positive that comes out of football, people just, you know, ignore. But I would suggest that whether they ignore that stuff or in, or in, because they're focused on the concussion and the long-term effects and CTE, all of th- which is obviously very important to focus on, again, the games themselves always make everybody forget about all of the other stuff. Like you're, Except the mothers at home uh, who, who hear about this. I'm sure I'll bet you that this was, without even looking at it, that this was a morning news topic today uh, sure. on the network. That it was too. And yeah, and you know the mother sitting at home watching the Today Show before they go to work, or if they're staying home uh, when they have to sign those permission slips for their kids to play football. This is where I think it has an impact. Uh, I just think I just think it's it's you know, human nature. It's been you know, having a, uh, it's been having an impact, Tommy. I mean, yes, youth yes, participation in football is down. Uh, I think I read somewhere this morning it's down like forty percent from where it was twenty years ago. Forty percent. Yeah. I mean, I know but that's human nature. I mean, that's that shouldn't be surprising. No, look. I mean, if you're watching, you're watching this stuff on TV, and and I mean, there look. You're you're worried about your child being abducted by strangers on a playground where the risk of that may be absolutely minuscule. But you're worried about that. But you're certainly going to be worried about something you've actually seen happen on a football field that, you know, your child could be one of the unlucky ones. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a human nature reaction. But as far as the, the power and, and business of the NFL, it, it's, it's nonstop. 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 And, um, yeah, and just getting wealthier and wealthier. Uh, you're, you're right, though. The, it, there might be a day we may both be long gone where it's considered so barbaric that it comes to an end. But it ain't going to happen in our lifetime. <laughs> That's for sure. No, like I always... I always point out to people, in the early 20th century, Sears was, was Amazon plus Amazon. I mean, you could buy a house from Sears. I mean, they were everywhere. They, did, they were, in, I mean, they were huge. You could buy a house from and Sears? That, you could buy a house for Evita Catalog that you put together yourself, or you could have put together. Wow. Yes. But now, I mean, they're on their. I'm sure they're on their last legs. So things do change. You know, there are there are, there are things in the future that we can't foresee. But for right now, we can't foresee anything when it comes to stopping the NFL. No, we can't. Speaking of the NFL, uh, Washington's got a pretty big game Sunday for them at Dallas. We'll get to that next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Tommy, what would you call the game in Dallas on Sunday? You know, I, I know that you have uh, waved the Jay Gruden flag, the red flag, and called it a code red. I, I've called it code. And I've called a, it code reddish. 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 Yes, okay. not necessarily a code red, but it feels kind of code reddish. Go ahead. Okay. Well, let me ask you this: If they lose, mm-hmm. will people lose their jobs? No. If they lose, is the season over? So let me just answer the way I've talked about it this week. It's not a win or lose situation. It is you have to play well situation. Now, winning would be huge, but it is you cannot put out what you put out last Sunday or in the first half the Sunday before. Because teams in the NFL, uh, if they don't show desperation and urgency after a game like last week and bounce back with a real NFL-credible effort, then they are a bad team. Only the two or three or four really bad teams every year can't really respond to the kind of effort that that Washington put out last week, which was unprofessional for the most part, certainly on offense. So to me, you know, I've always said this, you know, it's a a gambling perspective, but in the NFL, desperate means dangerous. If they're not desperate and they're not urgent, creating danger to Dallas, you know, a threat to win the football game, then this season – and perhaps, you know, more than just this season, um, it's a really, really bad sign in a bad direction. And I would almost say on Monday, if they're down 21 nothing at halftime and they lose 34-10, to I would say, hang it up. This thing's over. 
if they couldn't respond to what they did against Philadelphia against a team with a backup quarterback. A team that is, you know, played well the last two weeks, barely survived, but is certainly not Philadelphia. So it's more about watching this game and saying at some point during the game, okay, that's much better. That, that, thank God they showed up, they're playing hard, they're going to have a chance to win this game. If that feeling doesn't exist, then it's, it's even four games into it, Tommy, they are officially one of the NFL's terrible teams this year. That's fair. Uh, I understand that. That's fair. Um, but is that possible on both sides of the ball? Or will just one side of the ball showing up to compete do for you? No. Or it's offensively. It, no? No, it is possible. No, it's, it's possible that both of them show oh, up okay. Sunday. And, and, it's, and I've got to see that. I've got to see the, the urgency, the immediacy of having to play well. This is a coaching deal here. Uh, by the way, it's also a, a roster construction thing. If you don't have the right people and you don't have the coaches that can motivate these people to, 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 to take Sunday and say, my God, we were horrible. We embarrassed ourselves last week. This week, it's do or die. We've got to play like a rat trapped in a corner coming out, you know, looking for a place to escape. We're, we're winning we're coming out, and we didn't see that Sunday. We saw it a little bit from the defense. It's got to be both sides. And it is possible because they aren't terrible. I don't think they're a terrible team. I just want them to prove that to me on Sunday. It's going to be awfully hard to do on the offensive side of the ball. Let me ask you a question then. How do they do that? How do you think they accomplish that on offense? Uh, they certainly don't do what they did last week, which is drop the quarterback over, uh, back over and over again um, against a team that you know was one step ahead of them consistently with pass rush, with coverage. Um, they rattled the quarterback. Uh, they sacked him nine times. They hit him 16 or 17 times or whatever it was. Um, you can't do that. So this is a big. This is a big spot for Scott Turner. You know, Cooley really pointed out. He's like, "What were they doing? They were facing essentially a college, uh, you know, defense in a three-three-five." And he's like, "Joe Gibbs would have countered them to death until they got out of it." And this guy's running play-action passes, drop-back passes over and over again. It was a bad, bad day for Scott Turner last week and everybody associated with the offense. So you know. They, what do they do? They, the ball's got to be out quickly uh, when you're throwing it. We've got to see bubbles. We've got to see tunnels. We've got to see screens. We've got to see hitches. And they're going to have to try to, to remain true to, to attempting to run the football to keep Dallas from, from pinning their ears back. Um, what you can't have against that defense in the same way you couldn't have it against Philadelphia's defense, you can't be one-dimensional either in strategy or forced into it, you know, because you can't run the football or you can't get your quick stuff, and now it's third and ten, and now you're down, you know, two scores or three scores, and you're, you're forced to do that. They did that from the beginning last week. Uh, so they've got to stay out of that stuff. And then – you know, on the defensive side, it's going to be easier, I would think, than it was last week. Um, and they played well last week at times defensively. They did. 
I mean, I, I they were down the list in terms of why they lost that game last week. It was probably their best effort of the season. They stopped, you know, they held the, the number one rush offense or number two rush offense in the league down, and they forced Jalen Hurts to beat him from the pocket, and he did with great plays made by wide receivers like A.J. Brown okay, and Devontae let Smith. Me, let me say this, though. Yeah. Uh, I agree with that, uh, and I think that they did turn in a better uh, defensive performance than uh, they had it previously, that they did stop the run. Uh, and that would be an important part of uh, beating Dallas, uh, you know, making Cooper Rush beat you, just like you make Jalen Hurst beat you. Uh, but I don't see a solution offensively. Uh, I do. I don't, see, I, don't think, I don't think that they can protect them. Well, hopefully I they, mean, the, the they Cowboys won't have to. know what they're going to do. Well, hopefully they don't. I mean, you well, they got, look, it's not, it's not brain surgery. Yeah, it is. You're going to have to, I mean, you're going to have to, you <laughs> know, maybe take two or three steps, you know, uh, and, and go to a three-step drop and, and have short passes. Got to try to run the football. You can run the football in a lot well, yes, of different... Well, you do have to run the football. You, gotta, you, you, you have you, to try to run the football. You can run it in a lot of creative ways. I mean, their opening play last week was a fly sweep to Curtis Samuel for 14 yards. They never came back to that once. Gibson carried it six times for 35 yards in the first half. That's nearly six yards per carry based on my math. Uh, and that was it. Um, I, you know, Dallas actually in many ways won't be as easy to run the football against um, as what Philadelphia uh, put up against them last week. Um, they're going to, you know, I don't, I, honestly, I don't have the specific answers. Tune in. Cooley will have an offensive game plan after watching uh, Dallas. But I know this. Against that pass rush, number one uh, sack team in the NFL, number one sack percentage team in the NFL, uh, one of the top two or three defensive players in the game in Micah Parsons right now, an yeah. absolute stud in Demarcus Lawrence and Leighton Van. I mean, they've got uh, they got all the tools defensively. It's a very good and well coached defensive football team, but Washington has really good players. On offense, they do. McLaurin's a good player. Dotson's a good player. Samuel's a good player. Gibson's a good player. Logan Thomas is a good player. Carson Wentz is capable of playing well. And they're, you know, how they attack them, I just don't think it's what they did last week unless they're so convinced Dallas thinks they won't do what they did last week. Doing what they did last week will actually work this week. You know? <laughs> but uh, I, I think in many ways – that defensively, the, the key is you've got to make Dallas one-dimensional. They've got a backup quarterback. He's played well. And by the way, watching Monday night, and I think I said this the other night, he throws it well. He throws it with a quick release. Um, he anticipates well. He actually really has looked good. But, you know, they have to have the balance. They've got they, – they need the, the play action and the boot stuff to work. Um, they need to run the football, and they did against the Giants. And they were yeah. 31 passes, 30 throw, uh, runs, 31-30, dead even for all intents and purposes. El, uh, Zeke and, and Pollard combined for 178 yards, over six yards per carry, and that made it easy, so much easier for Cooper Rush. So Washington 
has to stop the run and force them to be one-dimensional and make the backup quarterback win a third game in a row by being really consistent and and being able to find people that are open. And if if they can make him one-dimensional and put him in third and longs, I think that they can't score more than 17. I mean, they scored 23 on Monday night. They had six at the end of the third quarter. They scored 20 against Cincinnati. If you make them one-dimensional... That's, that's off, that's off the offense scoring. Yeah. The, the, I, think the defense, I, I think the defense has a chance to score well, against this Washington offense. Then you're, I think the, then you're in trouble. I think the commanders, yeah. they've been lucky, lucky in terms of turnovers so far, that they haven't turned the ball over more. Well, yeah, they they've only got one takeaway and they've got five giveaways yeah. through three games. They're they're yeah. minus four in, in turnover margin. But no, you're right. Like Philadelphia had you know a super short field on one of their touchdowns, the one that made it ten nothing after the uh, Wentz fumble in the pocket. So in all, you know, really offensively, they had a, a, a several big plays that led to seventeen points. You know, the defense set up the other one, or Wentz's fumble set up the other one. I don't see Dallas offensively. Being able to score, you know, 17, you know, more than 17 or 20. Now, if what you said is true and they start dropping Wentz back and they can't block and they can't protect and he's holding on to it too long and guys aren't open and, and, and all of a sudden you get a pick six parade or you get a Micah Parsons strip sack fumble return parade, yeah, it could get really ugly. Can't do that. You know, unlike Philadelphia where you're, you're concerned about – having to keep up with them when you have the ball, which didn't really work out, you're not that concerned about that with Dallas. You shouldn't be. So don't, right. so don't it, turn it, it over. Be, it's, not a, it's not an offensive track meet. It shouldn't be that. Shouldn't you're be, right. Shouldn't be. Don't turn it into, you know, uh, don't, you know, I hate to say this, but don't be afraid to punt. You know, Wentz can't get, you know, loose in the pocket with the ball. He can't throw it up for grabs. But they can't put him in position where he's got to drop back and the other team knows he's got to drop back. That did not work last week. It did work a little bit against Jacksonville. And, you know, down the stretch, it did work out. It, It absolutely worked out against Detroit. It's not that he isn't capable of doing that. We've already seen that. But he's also capable of the opposite. And they, I should say they, as a unit, are capable of the opposite. You know, I, um, I, I hate even bringing her up. Uh, but, um, well, it wasn't, actually, it wasn't actually Sabah. It was somebody else. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking for it on Twitter. There, there, there's no question that right now the thing that I potentially could be wrong about, I'm not bailing on, though. Okay, trust me, I'm not giving into this because I don't think I'm going to have to give into it, and I don't believe this. But the thing that I've absolutely said about Carson Wentz since the trade is that he's an upgrade. And even though I've said consistently over and over again that I don't think he's the future, that I did not like the trade, that you're going to have inconsistency, you're going to have some good games, you're going to have some bad games, that inconsistency will be one of the hallmarks of this Carson Wentz season. I've been right about all that through three games. There are 14 left. Um, But I did say, and I have said, and I'm sticking with, he's an upgrade over Taylor Heineke. I still believe that. 
I am open to being proven wrong on that, but I don't think I will be. Um, I also believe that the I, I, up- I, I tell you what, it's it's awfully telling that you have to make that statement right now. Yes. Okay, that's fair. I know what you're saying, but I think it was okay. more in response to somebody. I can't find what it is. Somebody just saying, "Is Sheehan going to admit that he was wrong about you know loving Wentz or something like that?" I I never loved Wentz. I hated that yeah. trade from the jump. I said I would have never made that trade, especially the compensation. And I and I I've, I've said over and over again. We we did a prediction segment. Will he be the quarterback in 23? And I said no. The chances are overwhelmingly that he won't be. He's not the long-term answer. But I did say he's an upgrade over what they've had, and his ceiling is much, much bigger if he were to get anywhere near it again than Taylor Heineke's. I'm not changing my mind on that. But it's possible that if he puts out a game like he had last week, this week and the the following week, we might come to the conclusion that physically he's done. Because one of the alarming things about Wentz through three games is – he had some mobility last year in Indianapolis. He wasn't the Wentz of 16 and 17, but he had some mobility. He made a lot of plays. He looked slow and has looked slow this year. He's looked yeah. Im- he's looked immobile at times. And yeah. you know, you've got to be you got to be a high-level thrower and operator of an offense. In, in today's NFL to get away with being – to lacking any kind of mobility. And he hasn't been that mobile. or It doesn't look anything like what he used to be, including last year. But anyway, what do you think about Sunday's game? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to accomplish the goal of uh, – of, I don't think they're going to be able to stay out of third and long. Uh, and I think it's going to be a problem for them. Uh, I think they have to try to run the ball. Uh, and the more you put the ball in, in Antonio Gibson's hands, the, the more the risk goes up that he's going to fumble it as, yeah. as, as well. We haven't seen one of those. Uh, yeah, true. No. So uh, I just think that, that the turnover battle is going to be pretty drastic in favor of Dallas. Uh, I think they're going to take a big lead and then sit on it through most of the game, and then Washington will will basically play catch-up to make the final score look competitive. But I just don't think that Washington will be able to accomplish what the obvious game plan is to keep Wentz out of you know uh, third and long and to run the ball consistently. Uh, I don't think they'll be able to accomplish that. If they get behind by a lot again, this is I, – I, I'm a big, you know, uh, preacher of the, the NFL season is a long season. I mean, it's a sprint in terms of the months that it's uh, played in. But, you know, what you look like in week three and week four can be totally different from what you look like in 11 and 12. We've seen that with this team the last two years. However, you know – they won seven games, they won seven games, and if we're on track to win six or seven games again, and they're getting blown the blank out in the first half of these games, 
consistently like they have been. I mean, seven times by 20 or more during the Rivera era uh, at halftime. I mean, it's, it's just like we talked about on Monday. It's just a staggering number of times that you've basically been out of the game at halftime, even though in some of these games you made a run back into contention. Um, and, and, and had chances, like in the Detroit game. I mean, that was a one-score game before the end of the third quarter, even though you were down 22 nothing. But if Dallas hangs, you know, 21 nothing at halftime and it's, you know, they it, like your respectable score is Washington scores 21 in the second half and they lose 34-21, to 21, uh, it's going to be ugly for anybody that even cares about them anymore. Um, it'll be terrible for them uh, moving forward. Um, and... At that point, you've really got to wonder about uh, the whole Ron Rivera thing because if he can't get them to respond to last week against Dallas on the road in a backup quarterback, then it, it's probably not going to happen um, where they get themselves back into any sort of contention. You know, I, 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 I'm not even going to entertain, like, if they get blown out this weekend, well, they got Tennessee at home and Tennessee's not good, and then they got Chicago on a Thursday night. You could be back to 3-3. Three and three. You, can, you can play that game all you want. If they, if they get blown out Sunday in Dallas, they're one of the bad teams in the NFL, and there are only a few of but those every year, and they'll be one of them. If they, if they compete and lose, they will have accomplished something, you're saying. I think I, think I got to know, and I think I will all know, if the performance on Sunday is a legitimate, urgent, immediate, desperate, credible NFL team that you know has to you know respond to the way they played in the last two weeks, and if that you know if that means they lose twenty three twenty or twenty seven twenty four in a really good game, that's different from putting out another game like the one we saw last week. That I'm, is. I'm- you're, you're right about that. Well, let me ask you this about yeah. the odds. And the Cowboys are only a three-point favorite, right? Yes. And that's the three points you get from playing on your home field. Right. So uh, the odds makers don't think it's such a, a possible one-sided affair, do they? No, they don't. You won't, is that a segue into the smell test? No. <laughs> no, it's not. It could be. Oh, it is. But uh, that wasn't my it. idea, but and there you go. Well, let's get to it right after these words from a few of our sponsors, and Tommy will give us his prediction on the game as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kevin looks where the John Q. public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's It's time time for the the smell test. test. All right, Tommy, last week, nine and four, uh, getting me back to 500 for the year. I'm 19, 19 and one. Um, And there there are a ton of games. I I liked a lot of games, but there are some reasons I backed off a ton of them. Let me give you the games tonight. I've I've done pretty well on the pre-Saturday Sunday um, games, whether it's Thursday night last week with the Browns and then Virginia on Friday night. I like two games tonight. UCLA is getting three at home 
against a Washington team that is blown out in consecutive weeks, Michigan State and uh, and uh, Stanford, and they are ranked, and people are excited in Seattle uh, about the Huskies this year. UCLA's 4-0. They barely beat a South Alabama team a few weeks ago, 32-31. to If you've seen any of the um, – you know, the Twitter photos of uh, the Rose Bowl for UCLA games this year. It's been an empty stadium. I mean, literally, I think one of the st- one of the games they played was like 4,000 people in the Rose Bowl and, you know, a 103,000-seat stadium or whatever it is. A part of it is because they've been starting the games at 11.30 uh, West Coast time. Uh, they're not playing at 11.30 uh, this week. Uh, tonight it'll be a 7.30 West Coast start at the Rose Bowl. UCLA's good. They're experienced. They've got a lot of five- and six-year players on their team, experienced at quarterback. Um, Washington's a good football team. That line just seems really short, and the public is bashing uh, Washington right now. Uh, I'll take UCLA plus the three. Um, the other game tonight I like is UTSA, University of Texas San Antonio, the Roadrunners, Tommy. They're laying four and a half at Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee last week went to Miami and crushed Miami 45 to 31. Like it was never a game. Uh, and so Middle Tennessee comes home off of that big win. UTSA is a capable team. They're two and two. Uh, UTSA is laying four and a half. They're four and a half point favorites. The line makes no sense. It's one of those recency things. The public thinks, well, Middle Tennessee just knocked off a ranked team. Why are they getting points at home? Well, it's probably because the UTSA Roadrunners are going to run them out of the building. So give me UTSA minus four and a half, UCLA plus three tonight. We go to to, uh, to tomorrow. There are a lot of games I like, but only three that made sort of the, the grade here. One of them has a contingency. Um, uh, Purdue's playing Minnesota, who just completely blew out uh, Michigan State last week. Minnesota ranked. They've got some experience. They're good. Um, They're playing at home against a Purdue team that barely escaped last week. But they didn't have their starting quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, there. And he is questionable for tomorrow. O'Connell is probably the second or third best quarterback in the Big Ten. If Stroud is number one, which he is at Ohio State, certainly Leah to his brother, Leah Tungavailoa, Maryland's quarterback, is in the conversation for the second best quarterback in the league. But I think Aiden O'Connell's excellent at Purdue. If he plays... Purdue is a pick plus 12 and a half. If he doesn't, don't play them. It's a 12 noon start, I think, tomorrow. You know, watch game day. You know, uh, look for, you know, Purdue hashtag Minnesota, uh, Purdue, um, I'm sorry, Minnesota hashtag uh, injury stuff to see. I think he's going to play, um, but if he doesn't, uh, that's off the board. Uh, Cal tomorrow night is playing Washington State, catching three and a half. Washington State last week had Oregon on the ropes and gave it up, uh, lost 44-41. Washington State is pretty good. They're the team that went to Wisconsin and won in Madison a few weeks back. Cal's good too, but Washington State feels like they should be a six- or a seven-point favorite. They're only three-and-a-half. The public likes Washington State. I'll take Cal. Uh, Troy is getting four-and-a-half against a Western Kentucky team that scored 73 points last week. Uh, this is one of those games that, you know, you're a little bit iffy on, but this conference has gotten a lot of action this year. I like Troy plus the number. Uh, it seems really short. Uh, let's go to Sunday, um, and I'll save the best for last. Um, uh, I like Carolina. They're laying uh, – uh, they're, they're actually laying points, the Panthers are. 
um, against the Cardinals. And I don't think people know that the Cardinals aren't very good. I, you know what, Tom? I don't think Kyler Murray is very good. I think that he is exciting. I think he is a playmaker. I just don't think he can play quarterback the way you've got to play quarterback enough of the time to be a big winner. I just, I, I'm not a, I've watched enough of Kyler Murray running backwards, running around for 20 minutes, making unbelievable plays. But when he has to throw from the pocket in a big spot, that's like the only way he can get out of it is just to start running around and making plays with his legs. And he does it all the time. It's not a good football team. I don't think it's a well-coached football team. Uh, Carolina won last week for the first time. I think they're better than people think. Uh, they're laying points. Um, they're a point and a half favorite, maybe a point in some spots. I, I get, I've got it at a point and a half here. I'd like to play it at a point. Um, but I'll take the Panthers minus one. Denver has scored... 16 points in a win two weeks ago against Houston, and Sunday night scored 11 points in a win over San Francisco. Nobody is an early believer on Denver. I still am. I think they're going to figure out the offensive thing. They've got too many weapons on that offense. I mean, they've got so many good receivers. They've got you know the two backs. Um, and and I think Russell Wilson will figure it out. Is he what Russell Wilson used to be? People think not, and maybe Seattle was right to deal him when they dealt him. But he did lead two long drives late in the game the last two weeks for the for the Broncos to get wins on bad offensive days. I think they're going to start to come around. Everybody's assuming the Raiders have to win this game. They're 0-3. I don't think the Raiders are very good. I'll take the Broncos plus three in Vegas. Seattle's getting a very short number at Detroit. The public likes Detroit, Tommy, even though they're one and two. I mean, they were close against Philly. They handled Washington. They had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter at Minneapolis last week. The Lions are a good team. Uh, I think they're a really, really capable team. Seattle got beat last week by Atlanta. Let me just mention to everybody, watch Atlanta offensively. Arthur Smith with Mariota, with Corderell Patterson, with Drake London, with Kyle Pitts. Uh, they are really dynamic offensively. The Falcons predicted to be one of the worst teams in the league this year are one of the best offensive teams so far through three weeks with Marcus Mariota. Remember what he did with Ryan Tannehill, what Arthur Smith did with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, you know, as kind of a dual threat quarterback. I, I'm not a big believer in Mariota anymore, but Atlanta is an interesting team. They beat Seattle last week, and I think Seattle got beat by a team that's better than people think. I like Seattle. The public loves Detroit length four and a half. I'll take the Seahawks plus the four and a half. And then the other game, Tommy, and the last game is the biggest public side of the NFL weekend. Dallas has been the most bet team by the public. Um, and there is sharp money on Washington this weekend. That line has stayed at three. The public thinks it's not enough. They think, as you said, th that would mean on a neutral field, this would be a coin flip toss-up game. And the public thinks Dallas should be a four, five, six-point favorite in this one with Cooper Rush. Uh, the Oscars don't. And that line has stayed at three all week. I really like Washington plus the three in the smell test this week. So finishing it up.
Uh, UCLA plus three, UTSA minus four and a half tonight. Purdue plus 12 and a half if Aiden O'Connell plays. If not, scratch it. Cal plus three and a half, Troy plus four and a half. Carolina minus one and a half on Sunday. Denver plus three, Seattle plus four and a half. And the Redskins, uh, the Commanders plus three in <laughs> Dallas. And I, I like them to win the game. 23 to 17. Really? Wow. Yeah, I do. I've been wrong. I picked him to beat Jacksonville but not cover, so I was wrong on that point spread. I was wrong because I picked him to cover against Detroit, and I was wrong because I picked him to cover against the Eagles. Not in the smell test, but in our prediction segment. Um, I did have him in this, I did have Jacksonville in the smell test in week one, and they didn't get it done. Washington covered. Uh, so this is the second time this year I've had Washington in the sm- in, in the smell test. I do like them plus the three. They are the, the, the they are the least bet team on the NFL card this weekend by public betters. And there is some sharp money that's kept that number. Three odds makers aren't moving that number up not yet. Anyway, maybe something will change. But I like Washington plus the three, and I like them to win the game twenty three to seventeen. What do you got? Okay, uh, the three point uh, Dallas favorite has has me. Uh, has me concerned uh, that uh, that the odds makers think that Washington has it in them to make this game close. But I'm going to bet on Carson Wentz being Carson Wentz, and I think he's he's going to throw up all over the place. I think uh, the Washington will have at least four turnovers in this game. I think Dallas will take an early lead and wind up with a 32 to 21 win. You've been right, right? I mean, you had Philly winning and covering last week. Um, no, I had Philly. I had I had Washington playing playing much more close. I had a thirty-one to twenty-nine. Oh, thirty-one twenty-nine. That's right. Right. Cooley had a thirty-one yeah, no, twenty-four. I've, right. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, let me just say this: when you say I'm going to rely on Carson Wentz to be Carson Wentz. I don't I'm not a fan of Carson Wentz either. I mean, I pointed this out, you know, all off season. But Carson Wentz, when you say that, you're implying that Carson Wentz is going to be awful. He's not he, that's not who Carson Wentz is. Carson Wentz is bad one week or maybe for two weeks and maybe this is the second week and then the next week he comes up with a pretty credible performance. He, it's the inconsistency that is Carson Wentz. Not bad. He was bad last week. I'll concede that. But he was spectacular in the second half against Detroit. Even though he had a a critical interception. Critical interception. But, you know, he put up 300 yards of offense in a half in the second half of that game and three touchdown passes. Right. Right. Coming back uh, in in that game. Uh, I don't think... He's cap- Look, the, the Philly players said, and they hadn't seen him in, in a couple of years, that they had their book on Carson Wentz, uh, and they didn't see any different, anything different in this game, is that he holds on to the ball too long. That's not going to change. That's who he is. Yep. And I'll tell you, when you have a quarterback that holds on to the ball too long, you better not have offensive line issues. <laughs> no. So they're that's, on their third that, center this week, right? Uh, they're on their third center, yes. Nick Martin apparently yeah. is going to be the center. Um, all right. Uh, 
32 to 21 Cowboys. I have Washington 23 to 17. Let me just say this. The NFL does have a couple of games this week. Like, I wish I could just sit back and watch Buffalo and Baltimore on Sunday. Like, last week, we said that about Buffalo and Miami. Um, The the Chiefs-Bucks, I guess, is going to be played in Tampa on Sunday night. Uh, Yes, it is. That's going to be a a fun game to watch. Patriots-Packers in the afternoon. I I mean, it depends on the quarterback situation for for New England. But, man, I would love to watch that Buffalo-Baltimore game. You know, the funny thing about— What will be interesting about that Buffalo-Baltimore game is that it'll probably be played in the rain. And that's a grass field. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if it's going to be an an air assault uh, by either team. Uh, Here's the thing. Buffalo played last week 103 heat index, and they ran 90 offensive snaps. And they're going to come back, and it's going to be raining in 58 degrees on Sunday. So it'll be it'll feel much better to them. I'm sure they'd take that weather over what they played in last week. But still, these are you know the AFC is interesting. I mean, I don't consider Miami to be a legitimate contender, um, and especially now uh, with Teddy Bridgewater maybe quarterbacking the team for the foreseeable future. And I, by the way, back to Tua for a moment. The MRI is important because even if it doesn't show any sort of, you know, uh, if Miami is right about it not being a concussion, who knows? But it shows, as this guy told me earlier, some of this cervical spine issue. That could be a problem with him playing um, for a while. So it could end up being Teddy Bridgewater because of that. But the AFC still, like Cincinnati's back to 2-2. Two and two. They were the AFC champs last year. Kansas City's still Kansas City, I think. Um, but Buffalo and Baltimore, and Buffalo in particular, and I think Baltimore too. I mean, Baltimore blew a 35-14 lead against Miami. How many times is that going to happen? But this, you know, yeah. this could be a preview of a late into January uh, game for sure. But wouldn't it be interesting if Buffalo, after the way they started and looking so dominant, if they lost two games in a row and were sitting there at two and two? You know, it's possible yeah. on Sunday that right. they could lose ter- against the Ravens. It's certainly possible. Uh, you want to talk some baseball real I, quick? Uh, I Yes. I just wanted to real quickly mention I'm excited about Maryland tomorrow. I had Mike Loxley on the radio show oh, yes, this absolutely. morning. They're, I'm excited about them, too. They're seven-and-a-half-point favorite serious. against Michigan State, who was ranked ninth in the country two weeks ago but got blown out by Washington and blown out by Minnesota. Uh, Leah uh, needs to be healthy, um, and he's. I think he's going to play, and I think he's going to be okay, but he was banged up at the end of that Michigan game. Maryland is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against Michigan State. That's crazy, um, but I've, I've talked about this this week. This is the first of a four-game stretch where if they could put together four solid games, and the weather's supposed to be horrible tomorrow, um, but if, they can, if, they, if they're going to be favored the next four weeks, you know, barring like massive injuries, I mean, if they won four games in a row, that would put them at seven and one. You know, going into that stretch, um, I'm I'm excited. Tomorrow's big for them because they're catching a Michigan State team that Mel Tucker should have ready, like Ron Rivera should have Washington ready. They have embarrassed themselves the last two week two weeks with humiliating one sided losses, and they're a dangerous team because they they are capable. They've got some talent. They were ranked ninth in the country two weeks ago. So um, 
Now they're you know far from the rankings, and they're a seven and a half point underdog at Maryland. But uh, good luck to the Terps. By the way, t- tickets are still available, and it's just rain, people. Just rain. You can get out there. Yeah. I know they're expecting, and they were expecting a really good crowd, but um, there are tickets available. Um, what did you want to say about baseball? About Otani last well, night? Well, first of all, on, on Saturday, oh yeah, Otani was unbelievable. Still making it difficult in that MVP right. argument. Uh, pitching almost a no-hitter last night. While extending uh, his hitting streak uh, to 14 uh, games, yeah. Yes, yeah. On Saturday, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be able to watch the Maryland game. What time is it on? 3.30 tomorrow. Okay, I'll be able to watch it because I'm going to be at the uh, I'm going to be at the Washington uh, ba- Metro Basketball Hall of Fame oh, induction right. ceremony. Yeah, right. At Congressional Country Club, they're inducting uh, Austin Carr and Johnny Dawkins and Chris Weller and a group of other people uh, as well. So I'm going to be there on Saturday. If people are interested, come down to the Congressional Country Club. I think tickets are still available. Uh, on Sunday, I plan on being at Nats Park for the season finale, the last game of the season, uh, to write my obituary about the uh, 2022 season. Well, it's, it's supposed rain. to rain on Sunday yeah. as well. Uh, the Nats are playing a doubleheader today uh, instead of tomorrow, as they have been scheduled to with the Phillies, in anticipation of bad weather. They probably have to play all these games with the Phillies because yeah. these games are important to the Phillies. They're huge. And the Phillies have a one-half game lead over, over the, the Brewers. Brewers. The Bru- and, they, and they've not been and playing well. The, the Phillies have lost five no. in a row. I mean, the worst Ten possible out of 13. time. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Typically, I mean, the Philly fans are dying because they've seen this happen so many times. They're a team dating back to 1964. So the Nationals could, could play a significant role in Bryce Harper's ability to get to the postseason again uh, this year. Uh, one of the things, I don't know if you know this or not, maybe you do, you probably do, uh, you know, the Nats are going to wind up with the worst record in baseball. Right. Okay. Uh, which would mean they would be number one in the draft next year. Right. Except next year is the first year that they're going to a draft lottery. Oh, I didn't. I I, I, I I forgot about that. So, yes. how many teams yes. get so thrown into the lottery? Be, I think, uh, according to what I know, is uh, I think there's seven or six or seven teams. Uh, hold on one second here. Well, is I it, know the Nationals. Is have, it all the non-playoff six, teams? The Nationals have a sixteen point five percent chance of getting the first pick mm-hmm. in the draft yeah, I see based that. on a lottery. Now so now so do the other two teams. So so there's the second team and so is the third worst team. Yeah, it's uh, it's all I'm the non a... it's all the non playoff teams. I mean just start with that. It's yes. all just like in basketball, it's all the non playoff teams yes, that end is. up being in the lottery. And then it's yes, way, it it's, and it's the it's nationals yeah. would Yeah, would have a sixteen point five percent chance. So would the second and the third worst teams and then it starts to drop when you get the fourth worst team. So the, I mean, the Nationals aren't even going to benefit probably from having the worst record in baseball. Is there an this obvious year because first they may pick? not wind up with the number one pick? Uh, I have to look. I, I looked this up before. There's no, there's no Steven Strasburg or Bryce Harper mm-hmm. out there. there. There's a couple of of guys who are are high on the list. One high school 
and one college, but I can't remember their names offhand. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it's. I mean, God bless you for going to to a, a baseball game on an NFL Sunday. Um, you might be out there by yourself, even if it is raining. My job. Uh, but, but my job, buddy. Can't wait to read that column in the middle of football season. Um, but I'm sure we'll talk about it on Tuesday. Uh, and I'll be able to tell you about the game that you're not going to be able to watch because we we know you won't record it. You don't even have a DVR in your house. That's not true. You finally I have a got DVR. one. DVR. I record stuff all the. I finally okay. got one. Stop making up stories about There me. was a time you did not have DVR capability, and it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Maybe in the last century. Uh, the Wizards opened up the preseason for the NBA this morning. It was on at 6 a.m. In Japan. Yeah. Uh, they lost to the uh, uh, Warriors 96-87, but Rui, Rui Hachimura, the star of these Japan uh, preseason games with the Warriors, had 13 points in 25 minutes. Um, so there you go. Are we done? for the day i'm really done i'm ready to sit back and watch okay, some football well. and watch some weather god man florida got hit hard oof yeah they did it really oh, is brutal and brutal all right uh i'm going to by the way put out a podcast tomorrow morning with chris uh where he is going to preview the cowboys and tell you what kind of game plan washington should have sunday uh for the dallas game all right tommy i'll talk to you on tuesday all right boss for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.